We're just just real enough in here and honest enough with each other, knowing that the person beside of you does not have it all together or figured out. I know that there are some struggle in relationships in this place. I know that some of you may even had crosswords before you came here today. I know that there are struggles with some of our children as they are growing into their teenage days and years. So I know that there are some battles that we're facing that seem insurmountable. I know that there are some in this place, if not many, and this is not a derogatory comment. This is not to put you down. I promise you today, we're leaving this place celebrating the name of Jesus, what he did for us on the cross. And we're going to celebrate the fact that your sin has nothing on the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Cool? I know that there are some of us in here and we're struggling with sin. And, and again, I know this, this gets weird because now we have control of the lights and we can turn them up and down and they're bright today and I can see your beautiful faces and I know that some of you, when I say that, you struggle and you instantly feel guilty and you instantly feel shame and you instantly feel like condemning yourself is the answer. And can I tell you something that is straight out of Satan's mouth to you? Nothing could be further from the truth. So you know the struggle is real. You know that it is a cycle. You know that you sin and you stop, you repent, but you sin and you stop and you repent and you are exhausted because of the cycle. Here's one thing I know. And I said a little bit about this last Sunday. Where the presence of God is, that is in this very place this morning, where the presence of God is, where the Holy Spirit is moving, which he's moving right now in your life if you will allow him. We prayed this morning, the intercessors, we prayed that there would be a supernatural moving of everything that is keeping you from hearing his voice. Your ears would be open, your heart would be open, and your mind would be set free that you today can hear just how free of sin you are. And so you know that the struggle with sin, whatever particular sins it may be, you know that it is real. But can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit is not speaking and moving on your life right now to keep you in Satan's cycle. He is speaking to you right now because he wants you to come out of that and walk out of here forgiven and freer than you've ever been in your life. And that's getting ready to happen in this place. So some of you just need to simply prepare your hearts for this. I can promise you the struggle is worth it. On the other side of the struggle is a breakthrough. And after there is a breakthrough, there is immediate freedom. I don't know if we've taught this. I don't know if we've just assumed this, but there are some like weeks and maybe months of things that we've got to do in order and properly without making a mistake. Then we can experience freedom. Like at age 78, we can experience freedom. 
How about if we start teaching our teenagers what it is to be free in Christ and the power of sin has no effect on them? You don't have to be a certain age. Listen, the struggle is good. There's breakthrough at the end of struggle and there's immediate freedom. Some of us are going to experience the freedom today. Because many of you have constantly defined yourself as the sinner that you think you are. And right now in your mind, you're thinking of that, that I am going to be this. I'm a sinner. I am blank. And I tell you, if you ever study in any New Testament scripture, that's why we're starting these more Mondays because I cannot barely scratch the surface of this topic this morning. I've got about 20 minutes left. There's no chance that I'm going to be able to uncover the depths of the truth that is in the New Testament of our gospel. Can't do it. But if you'll study in the New Testament, you'll find out that after Jesus died on the cross, the sacrifice that was for you and for me, after that, Paul, who wrote most of that New Testament, changes his language to when he uses over 70 times, not the word sinner, but the word saint. And so my prayer that is much bigger than any communication that I can do here this morning is this. Is that the bondage of sin would be broken. You would understand the freedom that came through the cross of Jesus Christ. And you would no longer walk out of this place and into our community labeling yourself as a blank. But as a saint. An overcomer. A child of God. Just after the struggle, the breakthrough comes freedom. A lot of scripture that I'm going to read to you here over just the next few minutes. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 5. And this is just, just, this is the word of God. And I think that's always a pretty good way to do a message. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. So this is not going to be one, two, three, four, five points and a good funny story. Listen to the, what the word of God says and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Mm. Listen, the struggle is okay. But it is not okay for us to continue in the struggle because Jesus has made a way for you out of it. Scott, I'm just always going to, I'm just always going to struggle with sin. That's Adam's fall caused me to have a sin nature. And I'm always going to sin and I'm always going to struggle. Listen, the power of sin is dead because of Jesus Christ. We as his children are not claiming and accepting that truth and we're definitely not walking around in it. Okay, you want something else? Okay, well, let's, let's go over here to Colossians. Um, let's, let's not go to Colossians. Let's, let's go somewhere like James chapter one. It's a good one. 
Anybody ever heard somebody say, well, that's a good scripture? Well, are there some bad ones? That's as funny as it's going to get. The rest of the time, we're serious. James 1, listen to this. And some of you are here right now, and it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you're here right now, and it's okay. Some of you are thinking that it is time to smash the window, and it's time to pull out like the fire hose. You're, you're, you're wanting to smash the alarm, and I'm telling you right now, it's okay. I'm telling you, it is okay. James chapter 1, it says this, verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. What I'm asking for some of you who are struggling in this sin cycle and you're feeling full of shame and you feel defeated and you feel labeled by your sin or your current sins. Listen, I'm telling you right now, persevere. Breakthrough is coming. It may just be here in a few minutes. And on the other side of that breakthrough is freedom. Listen, right now, persevere because I know how this works. I know what the enemy is reminding you of right now. In fact, I'm going to take you to a passage of scripture um, in, in Romans. Let's go to Romans 8.1 because some of you are listening to him right now and not the Holy Spirit. It's a different kind of message for me, but there's so much truth and power in this word. This is a lot like what our Monday nights are going to be like. We're just going to dive into the scripture and we're going to make them come alive because I promise you, you will go to places, not physically on this earth, but spiritually and leading other people to Jesus by the Holy Spirit if you actually live by the word of God. Okay? And so we have to saturate our community with truth. Some of you are listening to lies this very second. Because you, you've got some things in your past and even last night that are haunting you this very second. And you're thinking that your sin is stronger than the freedom that Jesus offers you. And I'm going to tell you that's a lie. And so for those of you who are talking negatively yourself right now, don't listen to me. Listen to what Paul says here in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no, now, no condemnation. No condemnation. Quit beating yourself up. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have accepted him as your savior, stop it. Well, Scott, what do I do? I messed up and you know, I, I don't want to die without asking for forgiveness. Here's what I want you to do. The next time you sin, I want you to say, God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Listen, I, I want you to repent. I want you to be so sickened by your sin, but I want you to be not reminded of how weak you are, but I want you to be reminded of how powerful the cross of Jesus is for your life. Come on, that's good. We've never lived that way. Not down here in this South region that we live in. We've never lived this free. There's no not a speck of condemnation that is in your life because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And listen, I'm gonna tell you just being flat out, sometimes I speak negatively and I shouldn't. I should not speak negatively about you or myself because that's condemnation. That is negative talk that is building no one up. It's constantly tearing down. So I don't know where all that comes from. I, don't even, I know that speaks to some of you this morning. Man, it has spoken to me this week. 
We're going to celebrate communion here in just a few minutes. But I need you to know something, and I need you to go and study. We, we, we just are. We live in a biblical, illiterate society, and I just need you to ask the Holy Spirit to cause you to love the Word of God. I just need you to do that. Hebrews, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 for just a few minutes, and, and then we're going to end this thing wrapping it up in Colossians. Hebrews chapter 10, I need you to know this. I need you to live this way. Because there's some of us that are exhausted. And, and because we're in the cycle thinking that we sin, we feel guilty, we go to church for three weeks and we find grandma's Bible and we think all that's going to help. And then we live a day without it. And then the temptation is just so strong that we give in and we sin again. Basically, I just described my college years. So one thing I hear on the streets of this place is that we're just real. And I'm just going to be very real with you right now. Jesus Christ changed my life. Back in 97, at my father-in-law's church, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I was in church because there was a good-looking girl, and it just happened to be his daughter. I knew I, that's God. I had to go to church to see the good-looking girls, Right? I got saved in 97. My life did change, but you know, you know how it is. And I want to tell you who I am without Jesus Christ. Without understanding this truth. And I don't share this very much, and I'm just going to let you figure out and finish in the blanks. Because I'm no longer this wretch. But because of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm a saint. And the sacrifice that was made for me was made for me once. I just have to choose to walk in it or not. Because without Jesus, I am in Las Vegas, homeless, living probably somewhere in a park with an incurable disease. Talk about that over lunch. That's me without Jesus. Many of you have the same story probably that that is you without Jesus. But can I tell you how powerful what Jesus did on the cross that day is? Listen to this. And for those of you who are struggling trying to beat this sin thing on your own, Hebrews chapter 10 was written for you. Hebrews 10, and I'm just gonna start in verse 11. Hebrews 10, 11. And it's talking, and listen, you gotta go study this because I don't have time to read you all of this this morning. Hebrews 10, 11, it says, day after day, every priest would stand and perform his religious duties. Can I tell you that if we stand and perform our religious duties, we will constantly be living the life that I just described without Jesus. Because on our best day, we cannot perform the desire to sin out of our life. But Jesus did. And he made it available to every single one of us. So that we don't have to struggle with sinning every day. 
We can have the temptation that comes our way and it stares us right in the face and we can look at it and we can say, Jesus Christ made a way and he has shown me that his way is much better than giving in to you. And some of you are going to need to use that line this afternoon. You got to stop trying to beat this thing because you lose every time. He says day after day, every priest stand and perform his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifice to no avail, basically. It says, which can never take away sins. See, we as even preachers have been guilty of telling you, hey, do this and this and this, and you're going to feel really good about yourself, and then you're not going to want to choose those sinful things. Nothing could be further from the truth. What Whoever wrote this just said, there's nothing that you can do that will ever take away sins. There's nothing that you can do that will ever take the desire to sin out of your life. Nothing you can do. Verse 12, and this is talking about Jesus. (laughs) But when the priest, but when Jesus had offered for all time, you can't comprehend that. But that is the goodness, and I hope my English teacher isn't in here, but that is the bigness That's the hugeness of what took place on the cross and we in the church. Listen, society hasn't done this (laughs) because they've never experienced the power of the cross. I cannot tell you if I've never experienced it, how something actually is. And so let's quit blaming our society and let's start looking at the church because what we have done, church, is we have taken something that has limitless power an unbelievable bigness, and we have shrunk it down to something that we wear across around our neck. We are the guilty ones for not displaying the power of the cross. Not those people on your Facebook. Not those people who are continuing to cause damage. They have probably never experienced what you and I have experienced. Listen, it says, but when Jesus, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, it says that he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus made his sacrifice on the cross He's now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And did you notice that word? He sat down. You know why? Because he took care of it. I need you to know that. Who you thought you were because you fill in the blank with anything other than child of God or saint. That, that struggle, he's taking care of it. And can I tell you what's happened just in my life is I've realized that, and listen, I'm still tempted, and I don't want to say this flippantly, but I still, I still, 
I still sin. But I'm going to tell you something. When I do sin, I realize that that is not who God intended me to be. The cross and all of its bigness and its power, it was done so that I didn't have to choose the temptations of this world anymore. But I realized the power that was given to me through the Holy Spirit, the power to choose no instead of constantly failing back into the cycle. He's given me that power. I don't know what he's done for you. I I don't know how you're accepting it. I don't know where your cycle is. I don't know if many, maybe every single one in this room, you figured this out. And thank you for letting me confirm this in my own life. But I don't think so. Can I tell you, I have seen that it is humanly possible, a person who loved to gamble, a person who loved to do terrible things, a person who really sometimes was just dishonest and a liar. I've seen how he has empowered me not to be that anymore. I've seen the power of choosing Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, and what he has for me over the things that are so temporary and fleshly. I gotta go to Colossians, I have to end here. But again, I'm gonna just, behind the scenes, a couple weeks ago, you know it's bad when you're sitting there and you're praying and the Lord is speaking. And after he finishes speaking and you write it down, you call your wife and immediately call her into the office. That's what I did. I said, Daisha, you got, you got to come up here. I got to share some things that the Lord just revealed. And the Lord told me in my prayer time in my office, he said, Scott, here's how the enemy is coming to attack you. We're going to unpack this way more deeper as the weeks and months pass. But the enemy is coming to attack you. And he said, Listen, Scott, you don't struggle with sexual addictions. Scott, you don't struggle with alcohol. You, 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 you don't struggle with drugs and you don't struggle with, with like money and those kind of things. So, Scott, the enemy is coming to attack you and he's coming to attack your closest relationships. So I got, I got on the phone, I called my wife and I told her, I said, here's what we have to do. Because now I know Now I know the enemy is wanting to attack in these certain areas through the Holy Spirit's revelation. It's how good he is. It's how much he loves his children because he does not want his children on the defensive. (laughs) He wants all of his children on the offensive. Hmm. And so we, we, we talked and I've even shared that with Pastor Bradley. Those of you who don't know, he's my brother-in-law. And I know that we have intercessors that are tight-knit. And and listen, I know that the enemy is coming after our closest relationships. I would just ask you, hey, 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 Father, how can I go on the offensive? Maybe it's just personal with you. What, What is the sin that is coming to attack me so that I can go on the offensive and not constantly give in to the sin? Real quick, this is so good.
What does this look like in the year 2016? I work on a construction site. I drive a truck. I'm at a school with a bunch of coaches, and they just have terrible language, and it's just hard. Man, I've heard that so many times. So what do you do? Let's go to the Word of God, Colossians chapter 3. And this is what we're getting ready to celebrate here in a few minutes. It says, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Did you hear that? For you died and your life, your life today is now hidden with Christ in God. I got to do this. I have to show this real quick. Um, you see the symbol of Hope City and it's those three lines and people are constantly saying, what, what is that? What does that mean? What does that mean? You see that? And, and can I tell you, this is again a long story and I'm going to make it really short. But we stumbled upon this from the Lord. He handed it to us. And this right here is an algebraic symbol. It's an algebraic symbol. And this algebraic symbol simply means identical to. It means identical to. And you see, that is the message of the gospel and the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Is it is so powerful, the event that took place on the cross, it is so powerful that as God the Father who is seated in heaven this very second, as he looks down upon you, he does not see sinner. He does not see sinner. I want you to see those. And every time you see those, I want that to take you to the event of the cross. Because because of the cross, God sees you as identical to his son, Jesus Christ. Whoa, wait a minute. Let's hear it. Paul says in Colossians 3, for you died and your life is now hidden. You're hiding behind the powerful event of the cross. When he sees you, he doesn't see your sin. But he sees you as identical to his perfect son, Jesus Christ. Scott, that sounds like uber grace. I've heard that before. You mean to tell me your grace has an end? Mine doesn't. Scott, it sounds like you're making God better than what he is. No, he's assured me in my prayer time that I will never get to heaven and have him say to me, Scott, I just wasn't that good. That's not coming. My human words will never be able to eloquently tell you how good Jesus Christ is. I got a lot to do here and I'm not going to read this because I want to get to something very important here for this morning. I need you because I trust you to go home and read some more of Colossians chapter 3. And there's the ninth verse that you're going to read and it says this, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. What does that look like in reality? I've taken off my old self. I've accepted what took place on the cross and I'm a new person. I'm a saint. I'd love to hear wind of, Scott, what are you teaching over there? You got all these people going through our Wahlberg and High Point and Trinity and Greensboro and Winston-Salem community and they're walking around and they're calling themselves saints. 
I can't wait to see the first Hope City sticker and then a license plate that says Saint on it. I want to ride with you. Your new self is no longer the sinner. You're no longer the blank. You are a saint. You are a child of God. And this is what happens because you have taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed. Listen, every day, if we were going to teach more Mondays tomorrow night, I would be telling you that it is an every day choice. And it may be even greater than that. It may be a moment by moment. It just depends on who you run into. You may have to ask God for a renewing every class that you go to. Every meeting that you go to, you may need a renewing. And he simply tells us the promise here. You've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image. Listen to this. For those, I I wish you would stand up right now, but I know that you're not going to. But maybe you think you are the worst of the worst in this room. If that's you, this is for you. Because as you sit here and as I speak and as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, because of what happened on that cross, you are being created in the image of the one who created you.